Welcome to the Digital Public Relations Podcast, covering news and trends in the digital space. Produced by the PR students in Kent State University's School of Journalism and Mass Communication. Welcome back to B&B's Food for Thought. I'm the first part of the B, Brady, and with me is my other host. That's me, Bridget. This is a wholesome podcast about food and how it influences everybody in real life or in social media. Who does it all? (laughs) Good stuff. Like, we wouldn't be here today without it. You're right. Based on that, speaking of food, I think a lot of times we're influenced by the people we see and also on media, especially when it comes to food. And all the time when I think about food influencers, the first person that literally pops into my head is Gordon Ramsay. (laughs) Do explain. You know, we all know Gordon Ramsay. He goes around to different restaurants and we see these videos of him where he's literally just screaming at the chefs half the time, maybe. And he's like, this is disgusting. I can't eat this. Or he gives out really nice compliments. And it's just, it's kind of funny because then you see the way he reacts and then people love it. Like people live for this. But if you were to have any other waiter or waitress say the things that he says to you, I don't think people could take it. (laughs) Yeah, it would be very hard for me to get under (laughs) the scrutiny of the Gordon Ramsay. You're right. And I just think that, number one, he's so credible. He's got so many Michelin stars. He's like just this guy who makes this incredible food. And everyone wants like a taste of it. Everyone wants to see it. And sometimes I want to try his food. And I just want to try out the things that he says are good and the places that he's been to or the places that he's, you know, fixed up. And I think that's kind of as people like that's how we are. Like we want to try new things. We want to see the good food and we want to be able to try it as well. Yeah, he's he's a mega influencer on social media. I mean, talking about Instagram, he's got 9.2 million followers, which is completely <laughs> ridiculous, considering that he was this chef previously, and then he gets some network deals, and all of a sudden, he's just this global icon, almost, mm-hmm. in the food industry. And there are a lot of other people like that, too. Like, we got Guy Fieri on Food Network as well. We got Joey Chestnut, who's like <laughs> 1.5 million followers, which is insane, because he just eats hot dogs at hot dog competitions. <laughs> It just like ridiculous to me. I can't even eat like two hot dogs, let alone, you know, having to wolf down a bunch of buns with it as well. And that kind of stuff is ridiculous. But regardless, he has gained this audience that appreciates him for who he is as a food eating contestant. It's just pretty disgusting. Yet they have this mass niche following that (laughs) love them for what they do. I think a part of it, too, is also people find them really interesting. It's kind of like like there's such thing as like competitive eaters, you know, the people who literally do this for a living and they'll go around competitively eating. <laughs> That's so scary to me. And it's like, wow, who even thinks to do this kind of stuff? And I think that we are constantly watching these people all over, all the time, on YouTube, on TikTok, on the media, like all day, every day. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Whether we watch it on TV or whether we watch it on YouTube. I mean, we were talking about earlier, Claire Saffitz is the face of Bon Appetit because she's (laughs) well known for her YouTube videos on creating original recipes based off of 
previous icons like Skittles and gourmet M&Ms and all this other stuff. Starburst. I remember seeing Twinkies. (laughs) How can you make something that is a processed good and then make it even better than how it is? Right. But we also got to be concerned for creating a brand image with one person because unfortunately Claire is no longer with Bon Appetit. And now they're kind of in this, what do we do situation? Because again, you've lost one person. And because of that, then you're going to lose this entire audience. And then you see the other videos without her now. And they only got a couple hundred thousand views. And that's not good because you're going to lose a key audience and you're going to lose a lot of engagement as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting when we were going through her videos. Her most famous one, I think, was the Skittles one, right? And it was when she remade Skittles. And we were all just looking at these, and it was just like all the ones without her. They were, <laughs> they did not hit the million. She, I think her most was like, what, 12 million? And her channel only had half the amount of subscribers. It had six, 6 million subscribers, 12 mm-hmm. million views. And in the comments, it was probably like a couple thousand comments. But that's impressive for a video of that nature. You wouldn't see that engagement otherwise on some of those posts. And she's just like the icon. Imagine like Geico without that lizard. <laughs> oh, yeah, 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. That is so iconic. And to have this icon leave, it's just... What are they going to do? Do they rely on other influencers within that field or do they find another face? It's kind of interesting to see where that would take them. Moving forward, I think it's pretty fascinating that we're focusing on people right now, but we also Mm got to talk about the food too. Food is very visual. Right, definitely. It makes me wonder, are they more concerned with the content creation side of things or are they concerned with the metrics? Are they concerned with the brand deals and gaining money from it? What are your thoughts on this? Are they concerned with that content creation or are they concerned with the metrics? I think right now a lot of it is content creation. I mean, look at TikTok. Like TikTok literally didn't even come out that long ago and it's like super famous. My friend recently, she just became TikTok famous and people are obviously looking for her Instagram. So they're going on her Instagram and they're following her because they find her on TikTok. She's constantly having to produce this content because her followers expect something from her. Maybe people previously, when they start up on TikTok, they're kind of just like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter as much. Like, I'm just doing this for fun. But once you hit that level of popularity, you're like, oh, shoot, I got to keep producing. I got to keep up with my followers. Like, I got to get it out there. And sometimes it feels like my friend, she's constantly having to post even when she's like out of ideas or she'll constantly have to be like, keep this in mind, making sure her stuff is relevant, but at the same time, making sure it's also stands out in comparison to other TikTokers. So she wants it to be funny and relevant, but also stands out. And I think that a lot of content creators or a lot of influencers, they have this struggle of trying to stay relevant and trying to be on top because you have to stay relevant. You have to stand out. There's just so many factors you have to take into consideration when you're doing these kinds of things. And that's definitely difficult. Let's also dwell into how TikTok has become this new thing that everyone like watches and looks at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of revolutionized how we think about food and how the content strategy itself is completely changed. Let's think about this one person who is one of my favorite food influencers on TikTok, (laughs) Linja. She's pretty impressive. She's got 2.4 million followers and 
33.7 million likes. That doesn't come easily with TikTokers. Obviously, no, you know, I can no. upload a video and it's not going <laughs> to perform as well as hers. But she creates this content that's unlike other people's because she's throwing out the recipes for them and creating it in front of the viewer's eyes. Again, going back into that visual aspect of things. And she's narrating over it to kind of provide a little more emphasis on what she's cooking. And it's uncalled for. It's something that I've never seen within food blogging itself. But her success on TikTok, does that translate over to other platforms? When we look at Instagram, we were looking at it and she's got like 194,000 followers on there. So she's gaining a following from TikTok but also how much of that is organic members that solely reside and don't know of her success on TikTok. Exactly. I think TikTok also serves as a place where people from all ages, all generations, they can come together and they can relate because it's not just a teenage thing. It's also for the adults. It's also for the older generation who are looking into these things and finding joy out of it. And it's kind of interesting to me how TikTok has become this revolutionizing thing that everyone uses. And I think even Instagram is trying to incorporate some of TikTok into its app with Instagram Reels. And I think that's really crazy how Instagram is trying to like take every, a little bit of everyone. Instagram is trying to take from Snapchat and like all these different things. So I think it's pretty cool. And I love seeing new places on TikTok. I found this pink taco place when I was in Austin. It was just pink tacos, pink waffles. The entire place was pink. It was Beautiful. I was in taco habit, in pink habit. Obviously, you loved it. It was fantastic. Going back to Instagram and TikTok for a minute, I think we got to recognize Instagram is a big juggernaut as well as TikTok. It's an entirely new social platform that's gaining a lot of attention. There's the ban that's possibly going on with it and all this other stuff. So there's a lot of earned media that TikTok is getting from this media publicity. It's completely different from how Facebook operates, how Instagram operates. It's a nice platform to be able to showcase what it can do. And that's really creative how you found a restaurant through TikTok because they're kind of highlighting it, filming it from different angles, like you said. The bathrooms are pink. Yeah, it's obviously a staple for them. That's how they get good brand recognition. Another topic that I want to talk about today, we're going to have to address this elephant in the room. (laughs) Uh, Bridget is actually a food blogger herself. It's pretty interesting. I want her to share a little bit about her experience in this very interesting industry. So I've had this account actually for a while, but I didn't start it up until recently. And it's actually been going very well. It's called Bridget Likes to Eat. I basically just talk about the foods I like to eat. And what I wasn't expecting was to build this community with strangers all over the world. And we just talk about food. And one of the places I love mentioning is Australia, where I have met an insane amount of people who just love to eat. She has a following from Australia. How do you even do that? (laughs) These people, they're so nice. Australians, you are so nice, so amazing, so (laughs) kind. They DM me, they message me, and they comment on my posts, and they make me feel so welcomed in this foodie community. Like, how do you find me? <laughs> kind of crazy. And I'll scroll through my feed for not even five minutes, and I'll be starving by the end of it because everyone's just posting their food, but they eat. And then when my food friends in Australia now DM me, they're like, how was your day? Like, what do you eat today? Let me tell you what I ate today. It's just this community that I was able to build. And 
not just Australia. I, was, I also met a lot of people from Toronto or like Ontario and these places. We all just connect together over food. It's so funny and it's so crazy to me because I never expected this. And people are so nice. Did <laughs> you get those followers through hashtags? Maybe. I don't know. But just from yesterday, I'm at 460. And today I'm at 461 followers. And yesterday, I think I was like at 444. And I think you said you have a goal by the end of the year to get a thousand. Let's hope They're so. up on Instagram, everybody. <laughs> Same time. This It's so interesting how you've created this community just talking about food and even talking about food and people got like strategies behind this on posting about food on this block and then food in this block in the middle oh these are pictures of me hello they're just it's crazy your identity as a food blogger it's personal brand development that we've never seen before it's great i i love it and that's what i think i love about food it's that it builds this community for all of us and since thanksgiving is right around the corner food comes up as something where everyone puts everything else aside and we just sit together at the dinner table and we just eat. It's like something that's like so enjoyable. Maybe you don't have to talk, you know, you're not required to talk, but it's just something that you're able to just eat together and do and just put all your differences aside. And I think food brings everyone together that way. So Brady, what are some of your Thanksgiving traditions? I feel like it's pretty common (laughs) what the Thanksgiving traditions are in America. Go over to your, your family, you got some friends there. You watch some football during that time. <laughs> and you're cutting the turkey. You got your mashed potatoes and your stuffing and gravy. And it's just this stuff your face fest till you're full. You're wearing comfy clothes afterwards. It's, it's kind of something that I look forward to. But at the same time, I feel like I could have a meal with these people whenever I want because my family is in the area whenever mm. I'm at home. So it's something that I could look forward to all the time. But <laughs> have this kind of food year round, I'll tell you that. That's true. With me and my friends, well, one of my friends, I've gotten to celebrate Thanksgiving with her, and that's exactly her Thanksgiving, too. But I think it's really interesting with the different cultures is in my Asian American household, we literally just use Thanksgiving as an excuse to have a potluck. So we'll make dumplings, we'll have chicken, we'll have roast duck. It's not the same, but the food is still there. (laughs) So I think it's just so interesting how there's so many different cultures celebrating the same thing, but we all bond together over food. Exactly. And you've got these cultures and communities that come together outside in the real world Mm -hmm. and then it can kind of translate on social media too yeah definitely expect that to happen but it does and you've got Mm -hmm. a niche audience i mean look (laughs) at where we are from social media in the beginning we're talking about people talking about food which is unheard of in the 15 years that we've had this rapid growth of social media and it's such a niche audience i feel like there could be a lot of people talking about Mm -hmm. following these influencers but at the same time, it could still be really small. Yet within that network that you have, you are all coming together and talking about the thing that you love most. You're helping each other strategize or you're talking about each other's day with a simple DM on what you ate during that day. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how social media has revolutionized the food industry. You've got these mega influencers talking about it. You've got the nano influencers talking about it. But regardless, it's still talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just one person has a brand deal with HelloFresh <laughs> or fast food joint. like McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, we, we were talking earlier about Travis Scott has completely changed how 
food is talked about at McDonald's with the Travis Scott meal. People are getting excited just to go get this meal, pulling up to the window and posting right? it media. It's not food blogging how we've been talking about it, but mm -hmm. it's gaining a conversation, gaining engagement around it. You're revolutionizing the brand in this sense because you're contributing to the conversation. And now we've got the J Balvin meal and it's got a lot of content marketing to come in the future for them. And you don't even know half the time if the food is good or not. You just want to try it because Travis Scott burger, why not? <laughs> and yeah, what's so I think special about it anyway, it's just the same <laughs> ingredients that you had previously, you're just creating it to how he likes to make his burgers. Whatever works. It's the way that food connects us all at the end of the day. Absolutely. It's for the love of food <laughs> that we do all of this. And I think it's interesting how, again, this community is created around it and it's going to be here for many years to come. For sure. I think this wraps up our Food for Thought episode. I am getting very <laughs> hungry after talking about all this <laughs> Me food, too. As I am sure you are as well. So with that, this has been B&B's Food for Thought. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe, share, and send us your comments on SoundCloud or tweet us using the hashtag PROnlineChat.